Welcome to the Stop Faking Fine podcast, a show that will empower you to finally show up for yourself while your circumstances may not be 100% your fault. Your life is 100% your responsibility. It's time to stop faking fine. Welcome back to the Stop Faking Fine podcast. I am your host, Dana Lewis. This journey of widowhood has altered my path to cross with some pretty amazing women that I probably wouldn't know or have sought out otherwise. My next guest's love for life, authenticity, and enthusiasm made us quickly connect on a deeper level. In episode 11, I talked about the beach ball, our raw, true feelings, and how stuffing them keeps us stuck. Join Amy and I as we walk through her journey of unexpected widowhood and how she recognized that not only was she pushing that beach ball of her true emotions under the water, without even realizing it, she was teaching her kids to do the same. We will dive into the methods that she teaches for being the boss of your emotions and what you can do to thrive. Oh my goodness, you guys. Amy and I met on social media and instantly became heartfelt friends when we realized that we each lost our spouses just about nine years ago. And there's just something about that grief connection that makes you lean in. Amy, I'm so excited that you are here. Welcome to the Stop Faking Fine podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad because I love the name of your podcast. I think that was what draw me in too. Like, whoo, look at this. Something's going on. There was an instant connection and it was wonderful. Yes. It is beautiful. It's an instant connection because you know what? At the end of the day, grieving is so hard. And I don't think before you go through it, you certainly have no idea what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> well, and I too think, Dana, like so much of me when I, nine years ago, was like, I felt as though I, I was the only one. Yeah. I did. I felt very alone. I'm like, I was 32 at the time. I was pretty young with three kids. I felt like there was nobody else that was my age that was facing this kind of, you know, loss, grieving, devastation, faking it until you can make it. Because what else do you do? You run on autopilot for how many years, right? Yeah. You run on, you run on autopilot and you really, when you think of the word widow, you think of a much more seasoned mom. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 32. I was 40. It's like our kids were both very young. Yeah. And, and we like, both have three. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, wow. Wow. So can you share a little bit about your story? Can you bring us back to that moment? Oh goodness. It was, you know, you never think it's going to happen to you. You really don't until you get that phone call. And for me, it was, it was a phone call and it was like, you know what? Constable Tim calling Amy, you know, I'm sorry, we need you to come identify the body. And it was like very surreal. And, and I remember it was Bluetooth and it was cutting in and out. And my two girls were in the car and I panicked. And, and then a lot of my first year though, was a blur after that, Dana, like it really was. I don't, I don't remember a lot of it, yeah, which is, is kind of sad and hard all at the same time, but I really did go into survivor mode. Yeah. Cause you have no other option. And I think when you talk about one year, I feel like I probably had five. I did one year of like not remembering. And then my other years, I'll tell you, like I tried anything and everything to numb the pain. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? to, survive. Because, 
to survive. Yeah. Like I tried running. I was running 130 miles a month just to try to work through my feelings. When that stopped working, I went into some of my savings account and was spending money on trips to try to find those feel good moments. I was doing eating nonstop, you know, just nonstop, everything scrolling, dating you, like, honestly, you name it. I like, was like, wait a second, something needs to, I didn't want to feel my emotions. Yeah. Something has to fill the void. So what can I stuff in there to fake fine? Really? (laughs) Totally. You know what? Everybody would always ask me, Amy, are you okay? Are you okay? And I remember saying, yeah, I effing got this. And then my kids looked over at me. They're like, mom, you need to stop saying that. And I never swore before that. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. I do need to stop. So then I changed it to, I ducking got this, (laughs) but it's, but it's so true because Grieving and how people are there, but then they're gone really fast and navigating a lot of that grieving cycle with and then without people and what they expect and what you expect. Like there's a very big disconnect. I'm telling you when you're grieving and what you think is going to happen, what actually happens, huge disconnect. Yeah. And you, you do go into survival mode and you're that fight or flight hormone is like Mm -hmm. at its max but you are a survivor. So you're like, I am going to put my head down and I'm going to get this done. And you and I are like hearted in that, that it's like, I'm not going to let these balls drop. I've I've got my children. I've got the things I'm going to make it happen. But then when you talk about what approaches you took, I love that you say you ran 130 miles a month. I mean, that is like bananas. Like I love, I love running. I love running, but that is a lot it's excessive. Yes. Yes. But that is one tool yep. for helping the dopamine, helping your endorphins, yeah. helping your feel good neurotransmitters. That's one really good avenue. Just maybe in, in moderation. <laughs> it needs to be done in moderation. Not ex- Yeah. So, so walk us through, you went from exercise and then you talked about eating. So how, oh. how did, how did that play? You know, it was crazy. Like I lost a lot of weight right away when he, when he passed because just your body naturally just does. Right. I wasn't eating a lot, but then I gained a ton and my poor doctor, he was having a really hard time understanding. I was working out all the time. I was running and my eating was pretty good. And so he couldn't understand how I was gaining weight yeah. with what my diet was doing and what I was doing for exercise. He's like, it doesn't make logical sense. And it's, we've talked about this. It's hormones, right? All of a yeah. sudden, everything was way out of whack. I used savings, you know, to trip to Florida, you know, Disney cruise, anything to try to get the kids to smile again, or even me to smile again. Yeah. You know, so we use money as a tool. I use Facebook as a tool to scroll to kind of just numb it. Mm-hmm. Netflix, dating sites. The only things I didn't do was alcohol and drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I stayed clear of those. I was trying, but that is because my, my brain was telling me, okay, well, I'll do the ones that society looks at as okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, they're not okay. Cause they're still, this, they're doing the same thing as drugs and alcohol, but society right. looks at them as if they're, they're okay. They're approved. You know, well, you're not- filling, you're filling the gap. And if we go yeah. back to, you were just talking about gaining weight and your hormones being off balance, that's yeah. like uh, sign number one. Like I'm, yeah. you're doing all of the exercise you're eating well, but yeah. your body is still holding on to that weight and oh, yeah. or holding on to more. Like you're gain, you're actually yes. gaining weight. And yes. it is a hormone imbalance, which yeah. we can have a whole other episode talking <laughs> about the things that we can do to balance our hormones because you know that I'm obsessed with getting your body 
to work for you. But that is one, one key thing. And then, yeah, financial, like taking the trips. So you were going from thing to thing to thing to get Uh, these. Yes. We were gentle and junkies, you know, like when my son took up skateboarding, I took up longboarding. When he took up snowboarding, so did I. Mountain biking, so did I. I was jumping on anything and everything that could, you know, suppress all of those emotions and those feelings. To stop faking fine. Because eventually you have to slow yourself down enough to deal with the pain. Well, and it caught up with me because what was it a year, two years ago, all of a sudden, I was faced with these health issues that nobody could diagnose. Nobody could diagnose them. And all of a sudden I'm losing movement in my leg. I'm losing movement in my hand. And it was all of that emotions and trauma that was stored up that I was not letting it come out because I was suppressing it every way that I could. Yeah. And it was being stored. And so it was manifesting in whatever way it could. And that was coming through as illnesses all of a sudden. Right. So walk us through like, what did you, you went chasing ghosts, right? Oh goodness. Yeah. Like trying to be like, what is emotions? How do we talk about emotions? I came home. Oh my goodness. Dana, you're going to laugh. I came home with the emotional chart. This one right here. <laughs> I actually printed it off after reading permission to feel by Mark Brackford. Okay. I went to Staples and I was like, okay, I need five of these please. And ladies, she's like, oh, are you a teacher? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just, you know, I'm just a mom. She was, oh, a mom of young kids. I'm like, they're teenagers. And I need one for me. And you know, one for my husband, because we're doing this emotional intelligence journey and we're going to fast track this. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden we're trying to figure out because we were doing exactly that. We were saying we were fine. We were good. Yeah. And we weren't really being open or vulnerable or having a conversation around, you know what? No, I'm actually not okay today. I'm having yeah. a really shitty day. Yeah. You know, I, and I remember going for a run with Alana. I was like, I really miss your dad. Yeah. And I never used to be able to do that because I would fake it or pretend yeah. I was okay because I didn't want to, I had emotions, but I didn't want to stir up everybody else's emotions in the house either. Because, yeah. you know, moms are the thermostat to the house. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was very conscious that I was a thermostat and I didn't want to dysregulate this house at all. Right. But at the end of the day, like you have to talk about it. You do. You yeah. have to talk about them. And that opens the door for your children to heal and yeah. to grow. Because at the end of the day, we want to not fake fine. We no. want to, we want to genuinely be fabulous, but it's a matter yeah. of what are the what are the tools that we can have to get to a place where yeah. we're not faking fine, but that we genuinely feel good. So for you, what was the pivotal moment? How did you turn the ship around? <laughs> I remember asking my kids to come to an event. I was doing a talk for youth with a mission at my church. And so I said to the kids, are you guys going to come tonight? They're like, no, mom, we have other things to do. So when I got home, I slammed the door behind me. Like I slammed it and I was smashing dishes. Like I was making a ruckus yeah. and Alana like looks up. What is your deal? Why are you crying? And I was like, you never showed up for me. None of you did. And then she's like, mom, you've never needed us. You've never shown emotion and you've never asked for help. And that was the moment that I was like, oh my word, I am doing an injustice to this family because I was pretending it was all fine that I had it under control. And I was wearing myself down. And so at that moment, I finally, they see me break down, you know, and since then we've talked about emotions. We talk about their dad and missing him and all of these funny things. And we would always talk about him, but we now talk about missing him and, you know, the emotions that are anger and resentment and bitterness and all of the, like, not even just happy or sad, like we're going deep, whether it's jealousy, whether, you know, where does it come from and what is the underlining root of it? 
And by me going through a lot of that and healing in that inner journey of mine, I've modeled it to my kids. And now they're learning that, okay, wait a second, when they react, whether yelling or snapping or saying something, I always look at them like, what's the emotion under it? And what's the story? Like, what's the root? And is it truth? Because there's something there, but is it actually true? Or is it something that you're just kind of, you know, your mind is creating this story that's perhaps not even true. Yeah. And so we're doing a lot of the, you know, navigating using the ruler acronym, right? Where you recognize, understand, label, express, and then regulate. So we've been doing a lot of that in this house because what I was doing wasn't working. It really wasn't. My my health was taking a toll. Our family dynamics is taking a toll. Faking wasn't working. You know, we needed to show up and be real. And when I made it safe to do so, the kids followed suit. Yeah. And now you guys are communicating and thriving on a better level, right? Because you and I both had two very different, we have two Mm -hmm. very different grief stories. My husband died of cancer after battling for six weeks. Yeah, it was fast. fast, And that was really a shock. Yeah. But in the same shock for, for you, because you're like, share with us your husband's story. Unfortunately, it was, it was suicide and, you know, didn't, there's no warning. There's no, you know, figuring out we didn't, we had no clue. And so all of a sudden it was just one day he just didn't come home. And, you know, looking back now, we're like, well, do we see the signs? And so we struggle with the what ifs we have lots of anger and bitterness and resentment, right. That we have to unpack and work through and, you know, and angerness towards him, but also we had angerness towards God as well. Like we, we really did. That was, that was really real in our house. And we had to kind of navigate that and figure that out. And my kids for a bit too, with, because it was suicide, they were bullied in school because at first we let everybody know what it was. And then we like realized our vulnerability doesn't belong to everybody and not everyone deserves it. So then we had to, I read too much Brene Brown for a bit and I had to like, (laughs) I had to rein that stuff in because we got got burned. We really did. We got burned a little bit by it. And that's sad. Like let's pause there for a second. That's sad because you did Mm -hmm. come at that with the best of intention. Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter does so much writing and she did write this beautiful thing once. She's like, it's almost as if kids thought they were contagious and that their dads were going to die next. Oh my gosh. That's how she had felt. And she would have been nine at the time. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I like one thing that you mentioned about like being mad at God, I was so upset and so frustrated because we're taught to pray and believe. And right. yeah. I, fe- I truly felt that I prayed and I believed I had the time to do that. So we had six weeks in the hospital, like every mm-hmm. single day, praying, laying yeah. out of hands, bringing in yeah. all the elders, doing all of the things. And so yeah. I really felt like after that six weeks, when I left the hospital, I was like, but, but I, I did all the things. Yeah. Where were you? Where were where, you? Where were you? Like, God, this cannot possibly be your plan that I'm going to come home. My children were six, eight, and 10. Like I'm going to come home by myself. Like this cannot be the plan. So share with us, how did you grow through that? Because now you're back and, you know, BFFs with Jesus and you're, you're you're back, you're back in your faith and you, you have turned it around. How did you do that? The kids and I were at very different journeys throughout that whole process. I won't lie. We, there was times when I believed and then they didn't, and then they believed and then I didn't. And we kind of like, 
It was all over the board. I don't remember my first year and my daughter had her birthday during that. And I looked at my friend and I'm like, how come I don't remember her birthday? Like what kind of mom doesn't remember her kid's birthday? And I felt like a horrible mom. And she looked at me, she goes, you were carrying me. (laughs) And I was like, was I? Well, I'm not ready to be put down yet. He could just pick me back up again and continue to carry me because I'm, yeah, I'm not doing this. And I remember laughing a lot and being like, okay, fine. And at that point I was pretty new in my faith too, though. And so I was reading and trying to find, I would type in words that I'd be like, okay, give me scriptures that can go with these words because you say you're going to be there. Then here, answer me here. And all of a sudden he started showing up. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, the kids would have their moments where they did not, they were mad and angry. And I gave space to be okay. That was okay. Yeah. And I think by me giving the kids that permission to be mad and angry at anybody and everybody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was a little bit different because then they were like, okay, they'll, they'll get to know and see where he did show up and where he was throughout all the years. And now we can look back and be like, okay, you know what? Sometimes our, our unanswered prayers are actually answered prayers. Mm-hmm. And some of that is through journaling. You know, the kids and I journal and we journal so that we, we can start to see things in actions. Because if we go off of our memory, like, I don't know, I'm in my 40s and my memory sucks. We won't yes. count on my memory for that. <laughs> yes. It's funny that you say that. Like, I didn't journal for years. It's almost like I didn't want to write something down because I didn't want to read it myself. Yeah. Six months later or a yeah. year later, I was afraid of the whole. Yeah journaling thing. Well, and even your feelings, you're like, you feel bad for feeling that you're like, I felt yeah. that like, Oh, and then you judge yourself for feeling that. Oh yeah. Or, we're, or we're, we're thinking that right? oh, we're, like, we're very good at judging ourselves. Very, <laughs> yeah. very good at judging ourselves, <laughs> but it is true. When you write those things down, you yeah. can fully recognize an answer to prayer or a non-answer to prayer, which ended up being an answer yes. because it didn't happen. And it's true. For me, I truly believe that Jason's, my husband's prayers were answered. I didn't Mm -hmm. believe this at first. And I was angry for years and years and years. I was angry. But now, nine years later, I do feel that he prayed something very different. Yeah. Because he didn't want to sit in a hospital bed. He didn't want to lay in our family room. He He very clearly did not want that path. So I'm able to have faith and to believe that God did answer a prayer, even though yeah. it wasn't mine selfishly. Yeah. Well, and you know what, we have to look at it in this sense. And, you know, I always said that if this happened to us, okay, fine. Cause clearly it did. This is mm-hmm. the cards that we were dealt. And I have two choices with these cards. I can either fold them and call it a game and, and just give up on life. Or I can take those cards and I can give purpose to our pain. Mm-hmm. And then what does that look like? What does purpose to our pain look like? Okay. Does that mean we start talking about mental health? Does that mean we start talking about suicide? Does that mean we start really being aware of our emotions and how that plays out? And, you know, my daughter does writing, you know, we've been in a book, her and I just in regards to life after dark and, and it's true. And we hope that our story can bring light to other people. Mm-hmm. And if, and we even talked about just the other day as to, we wouldn't be the same people had we not gone through that. A hundred percent. Yes. You would not be the same people. And how can you, I like the taking your pain and turning into purpose. How can we raise the stigma or eliminate the stigma around mental health? Because we're not fine. We can all have moments of being fabulous and being anxious, being depressed, being whatever. And 
I think a lot of these words just get thrown around. People are like, oh, I just, I'm anxious today. I'm anxious. Like, are you really? Like, how do you really feel? Let's make it a little bit more normal to talk. Well, is it anxious or is it maybe some resistance that you're faced with? Yeah. Right. Because so often resistance can make it seem like it's anxiety, but it's really not. It's just some resistance pushing you. Yeah. And you have the choice to like walk away from that and not do it, or you can push through it and get to the other side of it. Do you feel like with your husband, you could have had more of these conversations? Like, do you feel like there were conversations that you wish you would have had? Like where, how are you? Well, there's always the what if that you wish, right? But yeah. I, like we weren't, we did not have back then, we did not have the emotional intelligence. We really didn't. Both of us grew up in homes where your emotions were squashed and it was, everything was rug swept. You know, like he came from a very, a family that did not talk about emotions and men did not show any weakness and you didn't cry, like very stoic and very strong. Mm-hmm. And so that's how he grew up. And we were actually raising our kids to be very much the same way. Like I'll be yeah. completely transparent. They're very much the same way. Because you, know, you don't then, know what you don't know until right. you know something different. And unfortunately right. or fortunately for all of us, yeah. we end up being a product of the environment that we were raised in. Well, yeah, we have these filters on, right? Our filters are what we were told, what we learned, what we experienced, and then what we believe to be true from all of that. And so we have these filters on and that's how we do our life, but we really need to take these filters off so we can see the truth. Because I grew up in a home where we rug swept everything. My mom and dad faked fine, fabulously, by the way. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, like it was all about the image that everybody else would get because that's how they grew up as well. Yeah. And so we had very much done the exact same thing. And, and I remember my son, he would have been seven and he was very stoic and very strong. And everybody afterwards had said to him, you need to be strong for your mom. You're the man of the house now. You need to be strong. And I remember sitting back and watching this go on. And I'm like, that's not okay. No, no. Mm-hmm. Like he's a kid. Don't tell him he's the man of the house because that's not his responsibility. And I remember him coming to me and he was really upset. He goes, mom, I don't want to be that mom. Am I okay to cry? Am I okay to have emotions? And then that's the moment that I welcomed it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And he's been different ever since. So that stoic boy that was being strong like daddy or strong like grandpa or his opa, very strong, all of a sudden was given permission yeah. to be okay with not being okay. Yeah. And was now then from that point able to model and form his own identity. I love that he asked though. That is... Mm-hmm. That is huge for a child to say, but I don't want to, I applaud him for that, but I don't want to do that because as parents along this faking fine line, we want for our children to flourish, to thrive, to be amazing. But a lot of times we don't know how, if you don't have those tools and had this tragedy not happened, you probably would be modeling that same Brush it under the rug scenario, because if it's not broken, why fix it? Well, and that's, that's what's so beautiful because we we are always unlearning and relearning. And so much of my parenting now I've realized through lots of reading and lots of exploration and podcasts and a whole bunch of things. I'm like, I have done a lot of things wrong. And so now it is my job to say to the kids and apologize and own it saying, Hey, you know what? This area here where I told you guys, you guys needed to perform out there for your grades and your job. And it was more important to do really good in the world. I was wrong. 
That's actually not your job. Your job is to be 100% in this home first because that makes you a good human, a good a good member of this family, society, community. And you need to show up here. I don't want your leftovers in this house. Yeah. Right? And I taught them wrong because I, th- I taught them to perform for the world. Yeah. And when I had to correct that, my kids kind of looked at me and they're like, okay. And then a week later, <laughs> my son actually had to call me out and say, well, mom, you're doing it again. And I yeah. was like, oh my goodness. You're yeah. right. I am. I am more yeah. worried about what other people are going to perceive me as than I am myself and my mm-hmm. family and even God. I'm like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we have that, but it's modeled, right? I've given them permission and they give me permission to fail and get it wrong. And then we try again and we call each other out. Mm-hmm. Whereas we never did that before. It was very much, we ran the house as, okay, you respect your elders and I'm your parent and you listen to me and, and I'm know. right. And you're wrong. Yes, and do as I say, not yes. as I do. Yes. I, <laughs> I remember we had a very specific moment in my house where my oldest said to me, mom, you are nice to everyone outside mm-hmm. of this house. You are nice to everyone. And we come home and you are mean. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, well that's a dagger to my heart. What are you talking yeah. about? It's where like this faking fine came about because when you're out and about, it's like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want you to ask me any questions. I don't want you to like really prod and poke and I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. Leave me alone. But then you come home and that door closes and you crumble. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have the energy to talk. I don't have the energy to make dinner and I'm going to bark at you at the first opportunity because I don't have anything more to give. Yeah. And that's where like I pivoted toward, okay, cortisol, your fight or flight hormone. It's out of right. control and it needs <laughs> to be maintained because yeah. this is no way to live. And I yeah. had to learn new tools mm-hmm. because I didn't know anything about yeah. that fight or flight hormone. And I think well, it's true. Yeah. The regulation, how you can regulate yourself. And what's accessible that you can grab onto or do that is going to help you, whether it's a hormone, like you talked about meditation, yeah. you know, tapping anything to, that's going to allow you to bring back mm-hmm. and have a reset mm-hmm. exercise being one of them, like yeah. good exercise, good sleep, yeah, good, good, good exercise, <laughs> good, good moder- exercise in moderation, right? Everything, yeah. everything in moderation. So yes. tell us now you have pivoted your career really toward financial healing and that financial story share with us why, why the pivot? Well, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was a stay-at-home mom with three kids and all of a sudden he was gone and we didn't have a plan. And so not having a plan, we were out of the house like two months later and it was honestly like just everything crumbled. And I realized that I didn't want people to live through what we had gone through. Mm-hmm. And so I went into this finance industry where I was doing insurance and really protecting people from the what ifs that can happen in life, which I, I love to still do because I know the importance of it. And I still do do that. But I've also realized throughout my nine years mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have used other things to grieve. Now, whether you're grieving a death or a divorce or a separation or even grieving your health, grieving is grieving and it's a whole bunch to it. And so when you're grieving, you tend to try to use other methods to cope. 
whether it's eating and exercising or drugs or alcohol or even spending. And so when I looked back at my track record for nine years, I was like, oh my goodness, I did not have control over my emotions. And so my emotions were in the driver's seat to all of my decisions, mm-hmm. all of them, including yeah, my you finances. Exercise, trips, Disney trips. Yeah. Food. Yep. Scrolling. Scrolling. Netflix, dating. Yeah. Men. All of it. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. That could be, we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> That's on a end. whole like, other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's focus on this right now. So when you talk about helping people financially, I mean, insurance is a huge thing. Like yes. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's a must. Step one. But there's more to it than that. You know, there's this big talk about health and wellness, but we never put enough thought to our financial health. And I'm not talking numbers. Like money is so much more than numbers because it's emotions. Our emotions, like I said, they're there in the driver's seat. If you're feeling anxious or whatever, or something, retail therapy is a big one. You're going to go start to shop. You're going to, you know, I talk about money and fidelity. I used to laugh because I would order a book off of Amazon. I would get it in the mail. And then I would realize, oh crap, I went over my book. I have a book budget because yeah. I like to read and my kids put me on a book budget. Yeah. And then, and then when my book came in, I quickly take it out of the box and put it on my shelf and I would feel bad. So then all of a sudden I'm dealing with money shame because I've just spent $30 on a book. Yeah. You know, and yes, it's only $30, but the fact of the matter is, is we do it with small purchases and we do it with big purchases. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be aware, like, okay, well, wait a second. What is underneath it? I'm making this purchase and it's because of an emotion, but the underlying root has actually nothing to do with money. The underlying root for an example could be that I was bullied as a kid growing up and I just want to fit in. I want to belong. So I'm going to go spend money on that brand name item. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So there's a bigger story to it. So each and every one of us has a money story that needs to be unpacked. And when we unpack our money story, that's when we start to have financial healing. Yeah. And, this and I is think what, that's a beautiful thing. This is what you teach people, correct? So now yes. you run a, a Thrive Money, you have a Thrive Money workbook and you yes. run a program that yes. helps us understand all of these emotions around yeah. your spending in your habits. Yeah. Well, and even how to understand, like we all have love languages, but we also have money languages Mm -hmm. and we operate a certain way with our money. And even when we have another partner within our money, we need to learn how to communicate about it. And we don't. And if, you know, the numbers are pretty close to Canadian and in in America as well, where we're sitting around 40, 45% of Canadians and Americans that are financially unwell. Now, if that many people are financially unwell, we know that that kind of stress wreaks havoc on our, you know, our psyches for sure, hands down. Right. So it's affecting our relationships. Mm -hmm. It's affecting our kids. It's affecting our performance at work. Mm -hmm. So all around it's affecting our whole health and wellness. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so how many, from how many streams of revenue that each household should have, because it needs to be more than one, like five, six, seven streams of revenue and understanding your money language. So how do we find you? How do we learn more about this course? How do we learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, and as well as I have a website, it's you insure. So Y-O-U-I-N-S-U-R-E-I-N-C.ca. And yeah, just reach out. There's lots of pages on my website that you can look into money languages. I offer workshops for the money languages. I also offer one-on-one coaching to work through the money workbook. 
Um, even just to talk about, you know, our money stories, that's a great place for people to start is understanding the power that our money stories have. I am also on YouTube also going over some of, you know, the money stories, our emotions and how they play a role. And it's just kind of educating so that way you guys can make informed and equipped decisions moving forward when it comes to finishing well in life, but also in your finances. Yeah. Which is amazing. Okay. One last question for you in life. Has you ever had anyone that inspired you? Someone that you've witnessed take control and stop faking fine that has kind of inspired you to stop faking fine yourself? Oh my goodness. You know, I've had so many remarkable people that I've journeyed with throughout the years that have been amazing. I'll have to say with my first, what is it? I think less than three years being in the finance industry, I actually had four widows in my office. Wow. I know. Right. And I, and I, and I remember saying, okay, this is not like, this is planned. This is like divine intervention right here, right now, because then I was able to share my story. I was able to inspire them, but they inspired me and it kind of goes back and forth. Right. And I think so much of our life, we, yes, we're inspired, but it goes both ways. We, Mm -hmm. We need to do more collaborating with one another, more real conversations, more authentic conversations about, Hey, yeah, this, this happened to me and this is how I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that. how we get over faking fine. Yes. I love it. I love it. It's the, it's the being genuine yeah. and allowing people truly behind the curtain for lack of a better term. Well, it's sharing a manual, right? Like that's yeah. my tagline for my business is sharing the manual. And the whole inspiration was it that I wish I had a manual as to how do widows grieve. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a manual. And when I met other widows, we all of a sudden started talking and sharing and we're like, Oh, so by sharing our stories, our stories actually become manuals for other people walking mm-hmm. something similar that, is so that they good. can relate to. And then it creates this sense of belonging and it reduces isolation. It is. It's a sense of belonging and it's a sense yeah. of knowing that you're not alone because what yeah. we said at the very beginning of this podcast is that most of the widows that we knew were so much more seasoned and yeah. their your journey at 60 is different than your journey at 35 or raising 40. kids. Oh, hands down. Because your kids are still home and yeah. you end up sticking your head down and just getting things done. And yeah. it depends on how many years down the road you pick up your head to go, oh my goodness, I am not okay. <laughs> and, and it's true, right? So we need to give people the space to not be okay. Yes. And when they say that they're fine, maybe ask, well, you know, is that just a word you're using to cover things up? Because heck, I did that for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if you're there, I'm here. If you want to talk and if you don't, that's okay too. Yes. But just, yes. but just know I've lived that fine for a long time. And when someone says fine, I now get concerned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's cause for alarm because we yeah. should be, my hope for everyone and your hope is that you're more than fine, that you are truly fabulous and that this podcast and other podcasts and other tools will help you really lean in to learn more about how you can live a more fabulous life. And go on that healing journey. Yeah. Right. Really find the tools and the people that are going to help you do your healing journey and get to a point where you are flourishing and thriving. Yes. Oh my gosh, Amy, this is amazing. Thank you so much for being with me today. Absolutely. Have a great day. You guys follow her check out her courses and until next time. Remember to show up for yourself unapologetically because while your circumstances may not be 100% your fault, your life 
is 100% your responsibility. I cannot wait to see you soar.